And the reason why it's perspective paradox is both Nicole and I have different <laughs> thoughts on things. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Perspective Paradox with Nicole and KJ. For this and our next episode, we'll be discussing post-secondary education and whether or not it's worth it. Hi, Jason. Thank you for joining KJ and I today to talk about your perspective on well, college and not college. And um, eventually we're going to talk a little bit about student loan debt as well. And sure. so uh, if you would start by just give us, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, I'm Jason Cheddar. I work at Mortensen Construction. I'm a director here in our IT group. And, um, you know, I've, I've been married for 27 years and have a 21 year old son in the Navy. And, um, you know, I, I did not graduate from college. Uh, I did a little bit of community college, but it wasn't for me. And I got into an, an IT industry that was booming and, uh, and I was at the right place at the right time. And I, I thank my lucky stars for that, but I certainly have a unique perspective on what careers look like when you don't have a college degree and, um, and the challenges that that can lead to. And also in watching my son go through uh, trying college, deciding that wasn't for him and pursuing a career in the Navy. So. So, yeah, that is awesome. And that is a, a way different perspective. I know today and KJ is really good at these stats, but I know today there's so many people that um, like degrees are just booming, right? Like everybody's getting a degree for everything and there's billions of dollars in debt. So when you were, and I, I won't even say that age because I didn't get my degree till I was in my thirties, but what do you think there's anything growing up or like what kind of influenced you to not get a degree other than being in the right place at the right time was it you were just like I'm not going to go to college or yeah I think it was frustration I, I dropped out of community college uh, just out of frustration I was doing night school and uh, it was a never-ending process and trying to juggle work and bills and adding more bills on top of that it was it was a challenge and um, and and I think it was I, I think frustration as well as um, just not, not being a great student. I wasn't really engaged in college the way that um, I think I would have been engaged in college if I was a, at a four-year university or something along those lines. Yeah, I could totally understand that. I was not a good student in high school. I wasn't, I did go to um, like tech college out of school, but I, I wasn't, I wasn't even a good student when I did it in my thirties, let's face it, but right. <laughs> I did get, I did get somewhat better grades. So uh, what is the right place at the right time? What does that mean? Well, this I was uh, graduating from high school in the early 90s. And at the time, uh, you know, I was getting caught up in the computer PC revolution. And, uh, you know, at the time, the Internet was just starting to boom. And I was able to get into a role where I was in an IT setting. And at the time, it was an open door for anybody interested in computers will train you. And so I was able to get training in education and, um, but it was more of a Votech type of training at, you know, at work that equipped me for a career in IT. And from there, my own abilities was you know, enabled me to grow my career into leadership roles and things like that. So 
a non-traditional path, but it was something that, um, you know, I certainly don't recommend, not in today's market. Yeah, that, and that's interesting you say it, not in today's market. So has, you've worked for the same company for a long time, is that correct? I've been with Mortensen for six and a half years. Oh, okay. uh, I bounced around a bit, um, but I worked for Best Buy and Accenture and, and uh, several other large firms here in town. And I think the, the thing I look back on is it's been the power of my professional network that's kept me moving in my career and being able to kind of continue to advance without feeling like I was dead ended. So, yeah, that's what I was going to ask you because I know like the organization we work for and a lot of other places over time have made that standard of, well, we didn't used to require this. It used to be just growth within the company, but now you need this and you're not going to move further unless you get this or maybe you're grandfathered in or not. But so how, I mean, really, it must just kind of been lucky again too, where you found organizations that were not putting those standards out quite yet when you got in with your network. I, yeah, I think Accenture is a great example. You know, they're well known for recruiting at college campuses, right? So their talent pipeline is high performers right out of college in, you know, IT or business or other roles uh, or degree programs. And, you know, I'm not, I wasn't uh, really qualified to make it past the initial screening or even the kind of the, the resume machine um, to get a job at Accenture. But I got to enjoy six years there, the great organization and a great environment to learn in and to develop my professional skills and my leadership skills. So I think I look back on that as, you know, that's the good fortune, right place at the right time that has struck a couple of times as I look back on my career. And I'm just, I'm just going to say it, KJ, you're going to say, oh, you're going to roll your eyes out loud. I'm going to hear it from there. But I also think just meeting you for these few minutes, your positive attitude probably has a lot to do with where you've gone and how you can grow. Like you just seem like you have been willing to do what's in front of you and, and work hard and just do what's next. Yeah. And I think uh, I'm a big believer that you can't enjoy the ups without enjoying the downs. So, you know, I've certainly had some jobs I didn't enjoy a whole lot that make me really appreciate the jobs I have enjoyed tremendously, including this one. You were talking about not having degrees and stuff like that. And uh, Nicole, you kind of hit it on the head where at first it was growth within a, a organization, if that's the route you want to go. And to where you are now, where you do need certain certificates or certain uh, degrees, letters after your name and stuff like that. And with that being said, if you were going to be a director, say, within Mortensen or another company kind of like that. Um, what are the educational backgrounds or requirements now compared to when you first started? Is it really beneficial to do the IT track within colleges? Yeah, I, I think the, I look at the competitive landscape in terms of who are my peers, uh, both within the organization, but in other peer organizations. And a lot of my peers have MBAs uh, or they've gotten an MBA on top of an uh, MIS degree, a, a, a uh, information systems program. Uh, yeah, master's in program. information. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, like there's a lot of, I even look at my own staff, uh, managers that are on my team and many of them have MBAs. Some of my staff that aren't in management roles have MBAs. And so, um, you know, 
by professional accreditations, uh, my staff is far more qualified than I am. Uh, but I think there's a there's some intrinsic traits that become important in, as you move into leadership roles and things like that, that uh, I'm trying to encourage and promote and develop within my team. Let me ask you this. There's one thing to say a person has a degree. You t- go to school, you get a degree, you get that paper, those letters. Do you find it more beneficial for your employees to gather or, you know, have a foundation? Yeah, you have that education. But do you think it's more beneficial that uh, an employee gain expertise, experience through certifications if it's going through courses of, you know, to extend or broaden your horizons to reach out and, and find the networks through um I guess just being a member of certain things like for when you're a trainer, you can become members in training groups. If it's, you know, mm-hmm. ATD or something of that nature, is there a benefit for certificates versus the education track? Yeah, I, I had technical certifications when I was younger and early in my IT career. So um, certification from Microsoft and other IT companies that got me in the door for some of the earlier jobs that I held, but there aren't certifications for leadership roles that I have today or that I would pursue in the future. I do think that the technical certifications are really important to get you in the door at the entry level. And in many cases, even people with college degrees still, um, they might get in the door, but they might be expected to go get the technical certifications once they start a role so that they have the qualifications for specialized types of work. But I do think that, um, and I have an appreciation for what college does bring in that we, you know, we all in a modern society stand on the shoulders of giants. And that foundation of knowledge on you know, how things work and all of the modern, everything from accounting practices to um, you know, technical skills and things like that, you know, being able to introduce those things and set a technical or a knowledge foundation that you can build on is what college really brings the critical thinking and, and, and whatnot that you need in order to be successful in a corporate environment. So let me ask you this. Do you think that education is basically the background for theory of sure. the job versus certifications would be the practical application of the job? That's a great comparison because one gives you the theory of how and why it works. And the other one gives you more procedural, uh, practical instruction on how to apply the knowledge to troubleshoot or you know implement something so when you are going to hire a person are you looking at the education or are you looking at the experience or the certificates because is i guess would be kind of considered differently than someone that wants to become a social worker of of some extent but when you look at okay i want this person part of my team what is Mm -hmm. the component because not having that education per se background, but more of that certificate track. Mm-hmm. Do you look at that differently versus some other people that maybe be part of your team now? I, I think I do. You know, I think I do. One of the questions that I got asked, or my first question in, in one of my job interviews was, I didn't see your degree on your resume. What school did you go to? That, that was the first question in my first interview for one of the jobs that I later got. So. Um, that is the type of uphill fight that I found myself in 
But at the same time, when I'm interviewing people, I generally am looking for attitude over aptitude, right? So we can teach the technical skills on the job, but we can't usually teach the soft skills, the interpersonal skills, the, um, the ability to relate to other people. That's really more important. You know, and I think one of the, my insights in a 25-year career in IT is that <laughs> the hard part of IT is not the technology, it's the people. Uh, it's how do you how do you make the technology work for the people that need to use it? And sometimes it's training the people and sometimes it's fixing the technology, but you have to understand people to be successful in almost any career. That's fantastic. And that's I, the second or third time we've heard this and not in the conversation over college and student loans. Like, remember, we were just talking, well, we were talking careers. The first time we heard it, we were talking about women in um, non-traditional or traditionally male careers. And that was still the same topic was like, you can teach people how to do work. You just can't teach them to be good people necessarily. Well, well, and think about the social skills you develop in school, right? You know, you have to learn how to live with a roommate, <laughs> how to navigate conflict and, and debate topics, right? How to, you know, ask for help, right? You're going to get put into classes that you're not really prepared or equipped for or a teacher you hate. And how do you navigate that and be successful in spite of it? Well, hopefully you go through your four-year college career and you come out with some of those experiences because you've had to do it before or even put into that situation, perhaps on purpose by a counselor or um, a peer. And that becomes part of what your foundation is built from. And so those certificates that you talk about, is there a cost to that? Yeah, and I think the... Uh, I was, you know, in this boom period in IT where I started, uh, a lot of employers would pay for the certification exams um, if you, when, when you passed it, right? So I was able to, you know, kind of go cram for tests and, and get myself prepared because those are the credentials that, uh, frankly, my employer needed in order to sell work. You know, I was working for a consulting firm and, you know, they would send out something that was certified and that's part of why we got the, the job. And so they were incented to make sure that they had certified people they could send out. Now, since then, I still encourage the certifications. And it, as long as I've had the ability to, I've offered to reimburse people for those certifications because I do think it rounds out your technical skills and it creates that long-term kind of um, uh, investment in people that you have to have in order to be successful as an employer. And you walk away without a bunch of debt, which... Right. I'm looking at, I looked at nerdwallet.com and they say that the average debt for a master's degree, this is debt, not the cost, $70,000. And right. that doesn't include the, the pre-graduate or the, you know, um, undergraduate degree. Undergrad, yeah. yeah. So obviously you don't have those kind of debts from school and maybe, you know, people, maybe you don't, what do you think about that? Like just the cost of school comparatively, especially to what you've done. So my, my son uh, is 21 years old. And when we were looking at schools, we were looking at schools that were 30 to $60,000 per year. And he elected to go to a private university. We had some money set aside, uh, but that money goes pretty quick when you start spending it, you know, 30 to 60 grand a pop. And we got a semester in and we decided that he wasn't really enjoying school and his grades reflected it. Uh, and so we kind of had the sit down, well, what do you want to do? And I think for a 20, 
well, at the time, 18-year-old kid to think about what they want to do for the rest of their lives is really hard. I've worked with a lot of journalism majors, music majors, and art history majors, and you name it, in IT. And what they took away, those people took away from their college education was critical thinking, interpersonal skills, things like that that made them successful in IT. The technical training wasn't what that brought them into IT. It was the fact that it pays well and it's an office job and I'm not, you know, climbing up and down ladders uh, or doing things that I don't want to do. I'm working in an office and I'm solving problems and I'm enjoying it. But for my son, he looked at that. He's like, I don't want to sit in a classroom. I don't want to do this. And I don't want to spend 30 grand, which he's going to eventually have to pay back in order to not love it. Yeah, so that makes sense. It's, it's hard. KJ, do you have something? I did. And it totally. Um, let me ask you this. KJ, she's got a, an eight-year-old. No, that, <laughs> sorry. It's a, I, uh, in the mode. Um, I, what I was going to ask is, um, so your son, do you think uh, the track that you took in life and him seeing you continue to grow yourself professionally or whatever it is, do you think that helped him in his decision from dropping from that first semester? And then, you know, he elected to do, join the military, which was the Navy. Mm-hmm. Sorry, it should have been something else. No, just kidding. <laughs> you, can, you can get rid of that. Nice try. <laughs> yeah. Nice try. <laughs> um, but uh, do you think he saw you and he's like, hey, I can do it, but I'll do it my way. And this is the way I want to go. Yeah, we had a we had a discussion when he was getting ready to drop out of university is, you know, don't tell me what you're not going to do. Tell me what you are going to do, right? Cause you still got to do something to make a living and to put food on the table and to pay your bills and all that sort of thing. And as he thought about, we'd always encouraged him to consider military service that it is definitely an environment, you know, similar to what you get out of university and developing those interpersonal skills. You develop the mental discipline, the interpersonal skills, the ability to understand work. You know, I talked about jobs I hated. That makes me appreciate the jobs I I enjoy now. I think you come out of the military with a strong appreciation for what you don't want to do. And uh, and (laughs) I think that's true. I know that's true. (laughs) I don't want to do that anymore. Mm -hmm. And so everything everything else looks a little brighter. And um, but you do have an appreciation for work and an appreciation for training and practice and the mental discipline to be at the right place at the right time in the right uniform, ready to work. Um, So uh, we always encouraged him to think about uh, more broadly about what he wants to do as he grows up. And he saw an opportunity to learn a trade. He's an electrician um, to develop the skills and to allow him a safe environment, relatively speaking, to grow as a person and prepare to enter the workforce with the skills and training they need. And you keep you keep bringing up that grow as a person. And before you mentioned the military, I was going to ask you, you know, how do you suppose a person like yourself or, or other people, if if they choose to not go to college, how do they consciously figure out how to develop those interpersonal skills and how to prepare for the workforce instead of just being in the workforce and thinking that you know how to handle people? Well, in my case, I was just stubborn. I decided I, I wanted to, you know, go out on my own. I was young and old and whatnot and wanted to live on my own and, and kind of make my own way. And in order to do that, I worked a couple of three jobs 
and figured out ways to pay my bills. And that helped me grow as a person. For my son, he's off uh, in the Atlantic Ocean right now, uh, doing what he's doing. And he's learning, you know, the ropes that way. My wife doesn't have a college degree either. She went to a technical school uh, to be a dental assistant and has since pursued a couple of careers uh, since then. So I think there's lots of ways to, to figure out what you want to do. I think the most expensive one, the highest stakes one, is to invest in a four-year degree at 18 years old and assume it's going to be what you do for the rest of your life. Yeah, that's very, very valid. And <laughs> I, I tend to agree with you on that. Um, I guess that kind of caps for me, what do you think about student loan debt? Um, do you know that colleges across Minnesota cost anywhere between 5,000 a year all the way to, what did we find, 80, 70,000 a year? Yep, yes. Based on whether they are state or if they're private, private. or that kind of thing. Do you think there's a monetary value to any of this? Like, is it worth it yeah. for the people that you know to have gotten paid for what they're doing now? Yeah, my um, there's certainly professions that require a college education. And if your heart tells you you want to be a doctor and your, um, and, and your aptitude aligns you to medical, then you have to go through seven, eight years of school to get there. And that's the right path. As a, as a customer and a patient of some of the state's finest medical institutions, uh, you know, I certainly appreciate what it takes to do that. If you want to be a CPA, you have to go through school. If you want to do certain professional occupations, if you want to be an engineer, I work in a company surrounded by floors of engineers, you have to go to school. And that's why we have safe bridges and, um, and the infrastructure that we enjoy every day. But there's a lot of jobs. You know, we, we all joke about the Starbucks barista with a four-year degree. There's a lot of jobs out there that don't require a four-year degree and the, the crushing student loan debt that associates is associated with it. I'm a big fan of Mike Rowe and his um, Mike Rowe Works Foundation, which promotes uh, trade school scholarships, right? They raise money for scholarships for trade schools. And I think my son's graduating class from Prior Lake High School had the largest contingent going to trade schools and military training um, that I had seen years past. I mean, it's, it's, it says a lot, all of our guidance counselors in high school have advanced degrees. Most of them have at least an undergrad, many of them have advanced degrees, masters in education or other um, post-graduate programs. And I think the, uh, that's the path that they know. They don't know trade schools. They don't know these other paths. They can't speak first person about what it's like to go to Dakota County Technical College. They may have toured it, may have talked to kids that enjoyed it, but they don't know. And we have to provide young people the opportunity to experience careers before they make a decision on a $250,000 path. You'd never buy a $250,000 house without touring it. 
True. <laughs> well, let's bring it back to, um, I think you make a great point with all the school counselors. To become a school counselor, there's a certain track, and that track is always education, which means you go into four year or, or more if it's master's or not, and they do see one side. What did your your son's school do differently that you think that allowed uh, a very good school s- system? Um, what did they do differently? I, I don't think that the school district did anything differently other than society, I think, is evolving to normalize non-university paths for young people, right? And I do think we've gotten better at saying, you know, pick a path, but, you know, there's lots of ways to be successful. And I always told my son, you know, that as he was entering his junior and senior year, my neighbor was a foreman for a mechanical contractor here in the Twin Cities. And he, his truck was in the driveway when I left for work in the morning. And his truck would be in the driveway when I got home from work in the morning. He had seven kids. They went out hunting and fishing and did, doing all the fun stuff that they wanted to do that was fulfilling, satisfying for them in their, and their family. And we lived in almost identical homes on the same block, in the same neighborhood, with the same schools, right? So there's many ways to be successful. And he chose a different path than, you know, many of his friends and, you know, classmates and whatnot. But he was successful as a mechanical contractor. And so, you know, I think we've normalized that you can be successful in my neighborhood. You know, I, I went to a block party with a electrical foreman, a mechanical foreman. You know, these are all successful homeowners that, you know, have not pursued a four-year degree and been successful. I just love it. Like everything that you're saying. And I didn't think that when talking to you, we were going to go down this route, like of the trade school and the technical degree and all of that, but it is like so true. And these people work like seven to three 30, like you mentioned, and just, mm-hmm. that is, it's just exciting. I think, I hope a lot of people will listen to this. Before I get myself into trouble. Right. So I work in a building full of engineers that work on some of the most fantastic projects in, in the state. Right. So us bank stadium and things like that. So the fantastic engineering has to get paired up with the fantastic laborers and steelworkers and concrete people. And the, the work needs to get done, but it's a different path. And if you go and ask the, the trades people whether they want to do my job and sit in an office all day, they don't want to do that. And if you go and ask the engineers if they want to go sit in a trailer all day anymore after they've moved out, they don't want to do that any, either. But it's got to be okay for us to normalize these different paths. And the people that love being outside all day and love working with their hands, let's celebrate that. Because if it weren't for that, we'd be driving on dirt roads. Yeah. And that's the thing is, um, like, my four-year degree is in psychology. And I'll tell you, that goes to a lot of places, but it doesn't do anything for you in psychology. You know, like, I can use it as a four-year degree, but not to do something psychology-related. And my point of that is, yeah, you know what I would love to do? Landscaping. Like no, yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> nobody guided yeah. me and said, you know, you can do that. You can be outside all summer long, like planting yeah. flowers and organizing things. They said, you got to go to college. And that's back to, I think when careers were for yeah. life, you know, my dad's career right. was for life. He didn't go to college, but you did the same thing for 35 years. And that I think is where the pressure came from. You work with the engineers. We also have the laborers, which are doing an outstanding job at the facility that I am working at. It's pretty amazing to see everything that they're doing. It's just kind of really cool. 
I can, I'm like a little kid watching those kids, uh, those grownups in the big cranes and stuff like that. Let's, uh, let's dive into the other aspect of this student debt and student debt forgiveness. What are you, what are your thoughts on that? My, uh, my wife and I have uh, discussed this at length in car rides and road trips and stuff like that. Um, but one thing we both agree. So, um, the concept of a free education in the United States has been around for a long time. And the, it's always been a give and a take. If you give in the name of public service, right? So my family has enjoyed um, low or no cost college education for a couple of generations. So my, my dad was a dentist and spent seven or eight years in school, I don't even know. But he joined the public health service during Vietnam. And he could have gone to Vietnam and said he went to North Dakota. And he went and became a dentist uh, in North Dakota in an underserved part of the United States. And at the end of seven years of public service, his student loans for dental school were forgiven. And that's a program that still exists today. And it's been around for a long time. My son is in the Navy. My wife was in the National Guard. And so um, student loans haven't been a consideration for our family for a long time, but you've got a dentist, you've got an electrician, and you've got a dental assistant um, that have all gone to school and enjoyed um, the benefits of the programs that we offer. I am definitely opposed to student loan forgiveness without anything given back to the community at large in return, because I think it is unfair to those that have served. If you look at the nation of Israel, there's compulsory military service, two years, every citizen, and in exchange, you get healthcare and you get education. And my stepsister's daughter enjoyed that education and has a degree from a school in Israel uh, that you know I, I don't think she probably would have been able to afford in the United States, but there was a give and a take. She did two years of military service to get it. That's a good point. You know, um, by the way, you get free health care, too. It's not it's not the one you want, but it, you can pay for the difference. Yeah. Well, the. You're taking a chance because you might receive the biggest, you know, you you do the two years of service and you go through it and you get rewarded because, you know, in those two years or if it's going to be in the States where you do your four-year commitment there, the outcome could be possibly death, right? That's right. In the action that you do. So um, having that forgiveness, loan forgiveness, or having the government pay for that, I see that as a route. Um, it it yeah. should be an option. Well, let me, let me clarify though, right? So you yeah. raise, an, you raise your right hand and you make an oath to serve, to protect and defend, or you join the public health service and you provide service to the community. But to say that the government pays for it is, is unfair. All of us, everyone that's a taxpayer in the United States is paying for it. And what you're paying for is the service that they've provided this country, either in the service to their nation and God bless the 13 that didn't come back from Afghanistan at the end of um, our uh, engagement there. But the, the, the point being is that is service to the country. And that's the payment that you get. And it's a relatively small amount compared to how much we invest in the training and how much we pay in 
you know, the ongoing payments and everything else to those um, individuals while they're serving. But you don't have to raise a rifle to, to serve. For sure. For sure. Because um, there's a lot of jobs, I think, and granted, I'm probably, the, I'm the only person that hasn't had really, I know of military family and everything like that, but never mm -hmm. served unlike my counterpart, Nicole here, but there's a lot of jobs that the military can give you the training in that once you're out, you can prosper and give back to the communities that you move to. That's right. That's right. My son will serve in the Navy for six years. And if he chooses to leave the Navy at that point, he'll have most of the hours he needs to become an ele a licensed electrician, um, likely have the qualifications to work for a utility, um, and the security clearance and everything else to go with it. And, and that's that's a path, right? He could spend six years in college or in an apprenticeship program. He chose the Navy. I want to backtrack just to the um, the loan forgiveness that you talked about, um, public servant is. So my understanding of that is that payments are made throughout those seven years, or, or now it's 10, at least where I understand. So is that the case? Your, your dad had to make payments throughout that seven years? Uh, I'm not sure on the details i think he um once he joined the public health service i'm not sure how it was in the 70s but for my, my son for example his student loans he does have student loans from his one uh, semester in private university uh the direct loan through the federal government is a five thousand dollar annual max or i'm sorry per semester max i think and so he's got some some debt but that debt the payments on that debt are on hold while he's actively serving oh. and uh, he can apply his GI bill benefits to it to satisfy that when he's finished. Yeah. In combination, that makes sense that um, I know individuals, including myself who don't feel bad for my student loan debt. Cause this is all my fault. Like I'm not asking to feel bad, <laughs> but um, with, and I work for an organization, I can get that, but I actually wagered it out and I'm almost just paying it all back by the minimum mm. payments that I have to pay to get through the 10 years. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, and not saying I shouldn't pay it back again, I'm not going to say what I think either way, because <laughs> I don't, I, I honestly don't even know, but yeah, I think it's just something to point out there is that it might've been different when it back then, or maybe it's not, maybe the loans are just higher, but like that 70,000 over 10 years, if, if you have that master's and someone's going to try to work for public service, they're still going to have to pay most of that. So let me offer a provocative question. So why would the federal government offer student loans that are individually guaranteed for any and all degree programs, regardless of need? You talked about a psychology degree that doesn't allow you to be a psychologist. And certainly there's lots of uh, vocations that would benefit from a psychology degree. But if we know that we need engineers uh, to build electrical infrastructure for a higher and higher demand on electrical need. Or if we know that we need truck drivers because we cannot hire enough truck drivers to meet the transportation demands in this country, why aren't we focusing on those loans for the occupations that are in need? Because we have Elon Musk. <laughs> okay, so then why aren't we focusing on the occupations they're going to be needed to manage the robotic or electric vehicles. There you go. <laughs> right. And I, I would point that out too. And I also asked the question and yeah, I'm 
KJ, you said we're not going to give perspective, but I'm going to, it's fine. Um, <laughs> my perspective, and again, I understand my own accountability for things and I'll take care of it. I have plans for my debt, but uh, my debt is more than my degree is even worth. And so like, at what point do they stop giving people loans? You know, like, yeah. why are you giving loans? If I wasted away the first couple of years of my loans and education, which is what I did. And mm -hmm. then I wanted to get the four year. You should have said to me, well, you screwed up, man. You already used all that money that you should have used to get the degree. Yeah, we offer the loans to, uh, um, to get education and skills we don't need to people that aren't uh, credit worthy to get the loan, right? You know, like, so if you're not getting the grades, if you're not um, able to succeed in the degree program or you didn't meet the requirements for the degree program, you can still get the loan. Right. That's what I'm saying. Like I screwed around a couple of years of school. That's what I did. I just yeah. totally messed around and took out loans and did whatever. And I didn't yeah. get grades. And sometimes I didn't even take my classes and that's on me. You wouldn't be able to get, you wouldn't be able to get a car loan that way. You know, I, I mean, know. like it's terrifying. Right. Yeah. So if I'm irresponsible, <laughs> then why, why later are they like, Oh, that's cool. You were already super irresponsible. Couldn't even earn a degree, but we'll give you more money so you can try again. Right. Which I did get it, but imagine even the people who are maybe worse off than me who have huge loans and still don't even have one degree. I uh, I think, I know we're not supposed to give perspectives, but <laughs> I feel I feel where the biggest injustice is kind of what's being said here, but it's the interest rates. Yeah. Who wins in and, that, loan, that loan game? Yeah. Not the well, it depends government. on if it. Well, it depends on who it is. I mean, if it's Wells Fargo, who's the winner there? Wells Fargo. Yeah, but, but most of the loans, I mean, you're not going to get through a uh, $70,000 master's program on direct student loans, right? Because the caps are too low. You're going to have to go get private financing or borrow from family and friends. And the private financing, then the banks make the money, right? And it's not to demonize banks, but the, the reality is, is the student loans are guaranteed by either a co-signer or the federal government or uh, offered his grants. And, you know, it, it, at the end of the day, is it meeting the public need? That's a whole other debate. I guess one of the questions I have, was it worth it? Was it worth on the track you took? Maybe sometimes some of the headaches. Um, but do you think it was worth it? I, I look back on kind of the path I've been on. And um, I remember some pretty low lows and some pretty high highs. And uh, we did an exercise at work in a leadership development program where we mapped out our journey line. And um, I think the, I think it was worth it because the things that I look back on that were the highs and the lows weren't work related and they weren't education related. They were life, right? And those happen regardless. It's, it's about how you prepare for it. I don't think I'd be more satisfied if I had a college education. The thing I did look back on and miss is I wish I would have had those social connections. I wish I would have had those experiences and the ability to make mistakes uh, in a college environment where the stakes yeah. are a little lower as opposed yeah. to, you know, the school of hard knocks. And, um, and that's why I coached my son. I said, uh, you know, I would encourage you to take a different path than I did, but you got to pick the path that's right for you. So um, I, I don't have too many regrets, uh, but I do regret not going to school because of the social stuff um, and the connections that, that would have come with it. 
Yeah, I can definitely see that. You know, the track that I took was two and then four. And I did learn a lot in the two when you're kind of away from home in your own place. Uh, The connections that you make with um, and the friendships that develop during that time. And then to go into a job and then continue on with a four year. Um, Mm -hmm. Definitely a different aspect. Um, Is there a difference between the two year and the four year experience? I think there would have been. I think it would have definitely been different if you're, you know, at the living on campus versus, you know, in the town, in an apartment and learning your way that way. Um, And I would, I would say just kind of on a personal for me is that's the one thing I I felt like I did miss. I did feel miss uh, a bigger atmosphere of school and being part of something bigger, but on the flip side, it was nice to experience a small knit community in within a two year mm-hmm. and to grow and really know who you are, are being with and stuff like that. Yeah. But, I, had a, I had a colleague at work. Um, we were talking about kids and uh, he said, uh, I asked what his kids, his plans were for his kids as they were graduating from high school. He said, well, I'm trying to talk uh, my one daughter into staying home and going to community college to get her generals out of the way for the first two years. And uh, I said, well, I would just encourage you to think about, you know, where did you meet your wife? Where did you, you know, talk about your social experiences and kind of the development you went through at college. Um, And he agreed that he met his wife, most of his friends at school, right? Still stays in touch with them. And you're building a social network at school if you're doing it right in my mind. Um, and a lot of those lifelong connections, your spouse, your friends, your, um, kind of your network gets developed in those years at, at university when you're out on your own. And a lot of those bonds last a lifetime. For sure. And, uh, those bonds are there because of the stupid shit you do. The shared experience. The shared experiences. So Jason, thank you very much for taking time out during your day to talk to us about this. I really appreciate your perspective. It's like I said, when we were talking, you brought us through a different path story than what I was expecting to hear. And you gave me things to think about. And that's the goal here is to share perspectives. And uh, and you, you probably said some things that KJ has been trying to say to me, but you know, she talks in that way that I don't always follow what she's trying to tell me. I uh, appreciate you taking the time. I know we all have busy schedules and stuff like that. Um, again, very informational, uh, definitely a different perspective. Well, Nicole, it's been fantastic <laughs> meeting you. you as well. uh, Trisha, give your hubby a big hug for me, please. Yeah, well, I will. All right. Have a good <laughs> Say day. hi to the family. All See right. ya. Bye. Bye-bye. All right. Take care. Next week, we're going to hear from Andy and his perspective on post-secondary education. And after that, we've got a surprise for you in a reformat for 2022. So stay tuned and find out what's up next for Perspective Paradox. Thank you. Thank you.